We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. We were talking about how to study the Bible. I want to kind of shift a gear again. Just something I felt like we needed to talk about. Uh, and the title of it, if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, is The Danger of Comparison. The Danger of Comparison, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's read verses 10 through 13. For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such an, and one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we're present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some of the uh, some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things which are measure, but according to the measure of the rule that which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. So the danger of comparison. <clears throat> Would you like to know what the secret to happiness is in life? The real secret to happiness in life? Bingo. Don't compare yourself to any other person. You'll be a lot happier when you do that. It, let me ask you a question. Do you have that tendency to compare? It's a human, can, it's okay to say yes. There, there, it's a human tendency to compare ourselves among ourselves, to look at other people's lives. It, it's, uh, and let's be honest, there's, there's something inside of us at times that, you know, that causes us to do it. We just, we see something, we hear something, something happens. There are all kinds of reasons that we look at people's lives or look at other people. Even in church, we look at people. Do you find yourself comparing yourself to, I wish I was like that person, or I'm glad I'm not like that person? Because comparisons can go various ways. You know, so, you know, that's why commercials work so well. Commercials. They're going to show you something that someone else has or someone else is enjoying or someone else is getting. And, and, and as the, because the people that do uh, advertisement, they know that the tendency of human beings is to see something someone else has and they like it, and so they desire it. That's why commercials work. I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, so we, we, we'll put ourselves in their place wanting to be like them. Or, you know, you, how many Coke commercials are actually about Coke, Coca-Cola? No, they're about the people on the beach, you know, in their beach clothes and having fun. All the, and very little is about the Coke. How about driving a car? I mean, they show the car, but it's always the person inside all happy. And, you know, we all want to be happy, right? If you start looking at advertising, you realize that that's really what's going on. They're, you know, they're reaching to our tendencies, and that's that we want to have something or do something. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those. And that's probably because the state of the situation we're in in America have been for years. Uh, and they never show the negative, right? That, that, <clears throat> who was the one? There was the one company that, uh, I forgot the guy's name. And he got on, it was a pizza company. And he got up and he said, look, 
because their pizza company was going under because of Domino's. And he got up and he said, look, this was a commercial. I remember it. We know that you don't like our cold pizzas. You don't like the way our pizzas taste. They're horrible. So we're going to make a change. One of the greatest things he ever did for the company, shot up above Domino's and took over as world's number one pizza place again. You know, that, that, you know talk about taking a risk. Because everybody could say, oop, you're right, and turn that off. And, but it's the comparison thing. Uh, it's our tendency to compare ourselves among ourselves. We, we have to be really honest about that first because it's just a tendency. Theodore Roosevelt said this, comparison is the thief of joy. Just think about it a second. Man, it's very brilliant. Comparison is the thief of joy when you start comparing. You ever bought a brand-new car? Because I've done this. You bought a brand-new car. You drive it off the lot. It's all shiny, all that stuff, and you're driving down. You're all proud of it, and then you see a car that's more expensive and looks better that's brand-new that drives by, and you're like, oh, well, yeah, I could. I, you know, you just got yourself a brand-new one, but now the comparison deal's already started. So comparing yourself to others is a battle you're never going to win. It's never going to happen. So whether it's to try to become what they are or, you know, to make you feel better about who you are, because that's the two comparisons we fight with the most. We fight with, you know, we want to be like them or, you know, or we're better than them. Most often, and here's, this is a sad state of affairs, but it's the truth. Most often when we make comparisons in life, it's that we try to compare to make ourselves better than someone. We're, we're, we do this, or, you know, I, I do this more, or, I, you know, I'm more faithful here, or I do this, or I, I take care of this. We try to, in order to make ourselves. So finding yourself either better or worse, either way, it's a focus on who? Yourself. So when you're comparison, you're really just being selfish. So Paul said what? He said it was very unwise. Don't do it. Don't do it. And there's a number of reasons we'll talk about. When you see yourself better than others, what happens to you? You got pride. When you see yourself better than others, have you ever seen yourself better than someone? I've looked at people before and said, man, I'm glad I'm not like that. We, I think in, in, in principle we all have done it, and, and in, in effect we probably all are still guilty of doing it at points in our lives. We look at a certain, I mean, have you ever driven by the guy on the side of the road that's got the sign, and, and I'm glad that's, I'm not, I'm glad it's not me. I'm glad I'm not him. Those are two different things. There, for the grace of God, go I. That's one thing. But, you know, thank you, Lord, that I'm not him. That's another whole deal. And so comparisons. Uh, when you begin to take pleasure in other people's falls and problems, you know, when you, there's a lot happens when you start comparing yourself with people on the side of I'm better. Because then you get, you know, I knew pastors and preachers that, that actually thrived on other people's falls. When I was in Bible college, we had a, better not call his name because he's still alive. When we had a missionary from South America that came to teach class in Bible study. And it was the same year that Jimmy Swaggart had his fall. That whole semester, I didn't learn one thing about what he was teaching. Because every class that we came in, he would get up and just ride Jimmy Swaggart like a wild horse. Thank God he's, he's fallen. And that's what happens when people don't listen. And every, you know. And I'm sure he felt good about himself. The problem is, what happens is when you do that, you now own that. When you do that, you now own that. That you have now taken that and put it on yourself for God to look at. That's a danger. So, you ever feel that you're more advanced or greater in worth than other people? 
Are there things in your life you're more advanced than other people? Okay. So it's not what we're talking about. Yeah. I, yeah, I know I threw the bomb out there, but, you know, the thing about learning not to do the comparison thing, that it's a losing thing, is to be honest with yourself. That's the biggest thing. Just be honest. Of course, I know it's hard to be honest with yourself in front of a lot of people. I, you know, I get that. But uh, you see all things that aren't, they aren't doing, miss all, you know. Here's the thing. I found this out about me. When you start figuring out, why isn't that person doing that? Why isn't that person doing this? And you start making these statements, you know what you miss? Why are you not doing what you're supposed to be doing? Your life is filled with comparisons. You, you forget yourself because you want to see everybody else's, you know, builds me up, builds me up, builds me up. These are simple things, but there it goes. Listen, achieving self-confidence by judging and putting others down is dangerous. You ever been confident because you put somebody else down? You ever, have you had that happen? It's very dangerous in any part of life. You see somebody, and you putting them down, you, you're looking at them, and then it makes you feel more confident about yourself. There's a very big danger in that. And there, there are several things that happen there. First of all, you don't know the content of the person's life. You knew the little content of yours. And so when you look at the content of life and you compare you against them, you don't know what they've gone through. And they may look like, because here's what I found out, it may appear that I'm much better off than they are in this particular situation when, in fact, they were way far ahead of me because I was just seeing the surface. That's another reason we don't compare because all we really do is see a surface of each other. Let's be honest. You're not at my house all week. I'm not at your house all week. I don't follow you to work. You don't follow other people's to work. You don't, see, you don't listen to the, what goes on in people's houses and their lives and their families. We, we don't do that. We, we have a surface thing. It's Sunday and Wednesday. And sometimes if we go out to eat or something. But it's surface. We really don't. And that's why, you know, when we read here, what was Paul saying? He said, now, look, there's, there's some of you guys out there that are saying that, talking about me, Paul, that when I write letters, they're fantastic. But when I preach, I'm terrible. That's what they were telling him. And he said, listen, because of what I preach and because of the word, I, I, what I do in the letters is the same thing I do preaching. It's the same. So what's the difference? Why would they see a difference in the two? Because they're making comparisons. They're making comparisons. So when you do those things, you set yourself up for a big fall. Likewise, when you see yourself worse than others, so let's go to the other side real quick. When you're comparing yourself with other people, you don't want to compare and see them as better than you as either. Because it's just as dangerous and just, just as traumatic to you as a person. It, when you see yourself worse than others, what happens is you, you begin first to get envious. Envious. I want to be like them. I want to have what they have. Then you become depressed. Now, I've dealt with people here that were depressed, and, you know, and uh, they didn't appreciate me telling them, that, you know, depression is a, is a thing in the spirit world. Well, you know, I was... I was, I was uh, this person told me, you know, I was diagnosed by a doctor as being clinically depressed. Well, I'm going to diagnose you as a pastor. They appreciate that because they took stock on the doctor when they did the pastor because this thing of depression will affect you physically, but this thing of depression is a thing in the spirit world that affects you phys physically, and it will. Absolutely. Understand why the doctor said, hey, you clinically depressed. Understand because he sees all the symptoms. He just doesn't know the truth unless he's a doctor that 
that loves God and, and you know, explains it to them, but you become depressed, that low self-esteem. And then when all that happens, it winds up with one big root, and it's the root of bitterness. When you look at others and you see them as better than you, and then you become envious and you become self-esteem goes down, all this, and then, then bitterness creeps in. So, uh, you know, this world is, our world is really not geared up to giving, is it? It's geared up to getting. I finally learned to say when I was lacking in something, I would say, you know, I'm horrible at this. I'm bad at math or technology or whatever, but I'm really good in other things. And then yeah. that bad stuff didn't bother me anymore. Yeah. But Recognizing what you're good at is important. Yes. Yeah. And they may not be good in what I'm good at. But, Absolutely. Uh, it, it helps your self-esteem. It doesn't yeah. let you go down the tubes. Yeah. You know, so what? I'm horrible in math. Who cares? I'm really good in other things. What I have found when I deal with people that are, have a depression issue is generally what they're doing is they are comparing. That's why they're depressed. And, but when, the, when, when a person can, does it continually, they become clinically depressed. It, may, you know, it makes sense, right? It makes sense. Then, then they begin to have physical problems and all this stuff. But it all starts with a spiritual issue. It all starts with a spiritual issue. Uh, the problem with, with us judging ourselves among ourselves, comparing, is that we get into this thing. I call it the entitlement trap. You actually, there are reasons people have, people in our world today in America have this entitlement attitude. And we have a generation now that is entitled. The entitlement is their deal. Because I was born, I'm entitled to. Because I live here, I'm entitled to. Because my, my dad or mom, or I'm entitled to. And uh, listen, you're, you're not entitled to anything. Let's be honest. You're not entitled to anything. We, we've, we've lost the idealism of earning and gone to the idealism of entitlement. I knew a guy that got graduated from A&M, got his degree, had several interviews. My father-in-law got him an interview with, with a great company, and when he checked to see what the salary range was, didn't even go to the interview and didn't even call him. He was entitled because he graduated from college to make X amount of money to begin with. So it's an, that's what his mindset was. I'm entitled to this because I did this, not knowing or not, not thinking about the hundreds of thousands in the last few years that had graduated as well. Or is everybody, in, you know, am I entitled to get a, who's entitled to a new home? So some of you may have got one. You know, when Jan and I got married, we didn't get a new home. We didn't, we, we didn't even feel entitled. Because it's something you earn and you build. And that's a problem when we judge ourselves among ourselves is we get to a place of it, this entitlement trap. And uh, when you don't get what others have, again, bitterness gets in. So if you compare yourself to others for self-motivation or to check out your life condition to see how it matches, the cost will be a snare that you know, you're basing your worth on who and what others are or what they've accomplished. You ever based your worth on what someone else has accomplished? You looked at them and said, well, we graduated high school together, went to college together. They're here and I'm here. That's a bad thing to do, bad thing to do. And we're going to just at the end here, uh, we'll, we'll talk about, we all know what's bad, but let's, let's talk about the real thing about it. So you, you're not put here to accomplish what others have accomplished. You're not here to, 
accomplish what others have accomplished. That's another problem, and we don't even realize that we're doing this comparison thing, is that we want to accomplish what so-and-so accomplished. You're not put here for that. None of us are. Uh, God puts you here to succeed where he wants you to, whatever he wants you to accomplish. Because you might have gotten the same education, you might have gotten the same exact grade, all of those things, but there's a thing that you need to accomplish that God wants you to accomplish. Comparing yourself again is a losing battle. It's, it's going to always be unfair. You know, that person, that's not fair. Yeah. Listen, there are times when you feel you've mastered something, and you have. It, you, there, there are things, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys, I, I'm a jack of all trades and master of none. You just have to beware of those people because they'll make you think they, yeah. Oh, that's the baptistry. I'm filling it up. So, But we all should master something in our life, right? No? Yes? Are you all waiting for me to turn the baptistry off? Everyone should master something in their life. There should be something in your life that you master. But understand this. You're not going to master everything. You're not going to master everything. It's not going to happen. Master yourself. Yeah. That's a full-time job and something you're probably never going to accomplish. But that, that's what God calls us to do. Because, uh, well, we'll talk about it right at the end here. So understand this. You're not going to be the best at everything. You ever met that guy? They're the best at everything? I caught five fish. I caught six. Man, I caught a 10-pounder. Mine, mine was 11.2. Yeah, when I when I was in when I was in high school, man, I I, I was I, I played running back and I was pretty good. Yeah, I was too. Matter of fact, I went to state. They're always one. You know, it's the one up guy. You ever met the one up guy? Yeah, yeah. You understand that their comparison level is so high in their life that they're never happy. When they've got to one-up you every time, their comparison level is so high in their life. They're trying to one-up you for a reason. It's so high in their life, they're just unhappy. That's why they keep one-upping and one-upping and one-upping. Sure, there's a lot to that. Yeah, we, I mean, we can get into a whole, there's a lot of insecurity. Some of it is bitterness. Some of it is, uh, well, I mean, it's a whole lesson within itself. Every one of us is unique. Y'all agree with that? We're all unique, right? So if we're unique, don't we have a unique calling? Okay. So we all have our own talents, callings. Some of our talents cross over, by the way, don't they? But not everything that God's called you to do is somebody else's accomplishment. So uh, that's the biggest thing you find as a pastor in church. You've got, you got a lot of people that want to do a certain thing, and they're all good at it. That's a challenge. That's a good challenge. But the flip side of that is when you have nobody that wants to see there's a flip side to all of it when we're looking at comparisons. So, again, we, we all have advantages and disadvantages. You have advantages in your life, and I have in mine. You have disadvantages. I have them in mine. You have strengths and weaknesses. I have strengths and weaknesses. They're generally not the same. No two peoples. So you gain nothing. What we've just talked about, let's go to the end of this. You gain nothing by comparisons. You gain nothing by comparisons. I realize I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but you know what? The choir usually sings to the church. Is that not true? Okay, well, I just, just thought I'd throw that out.
just don't compare when you're when you're singing it. Just whether you're comparing as a source of self exaltation or self degradation, either way, it's bad. Comparison. Either turn with me to Psalm one thirty nine. When you when you're when you're comparing, what you're doing is basically saying something to God. So look at Psalm one thirty nine. Psalm 139, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We could stop right there. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you specifically for who you are and what you are and what your accomplishments are going to be, not anybody else's. And when you try to compare yourself with others, you're telling God, well, maybe I'm not fearfully and wonderfully made as you told me. You're telling God, well, maybe you made a mistake. That's what you're telling him. That's not what he's done, but that's what you're telling him. Verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and, cur- and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which are in continuance, were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. You, you, you see what he's saying here? Even when you weren't conceived yet, who you are is fashioned by God. You have specific purpose, specific reason. You have, there are successes and accomplishments God intends for you to have that I'm not going to ever have. And it started before you were even, your mom and dad didn't even think, your mom and dad haven't met yet. Verse 17, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. What we have to understand is God made, and I think we say this a lot, but we don't believe it. I, I, yeah, God made me I'm special. I think we say that a lot, we don't believe it. We say it because it's a tongue-in-cheek thing or we want to get out of the conversation. When, in fact, God made you a specific for a specific ways, specific time, all those things, and when you begin to compare, you're telling God you, you messed up. And understand, you've been given a very special gift from God. You know what that special gift is? You've been given, every one of us have been given a very special, special gift from God. You know what that is? He, not your mom and dad, He created you. Created is more than one meeting one and they become this one and that grows into a baby. That's conception and growth. He created you. What is, when God created the heavens and the earth, and let's go through creation, we're not going to do that. When God created, look what He does. That whole thing is full. The whole thing is under total of the aspect that God's mind was already, and it's perfect when it's done. And so when you were created, God said, okay, you know, before you, before you were even known of who you are, before you can, I've got you in the perfection of where I want you to be. So what happens? What happened? I got sidetracked. I got sidetracked. You know why I got sidetracked? Comparisons. I begin to look at other people. I should have that. I should be like that. I should be that successful. I shouldn't be here. This, and that's what happened in my life that caused me to be misdirected. That is 99.99999% of the problem in our lives is we, we start at a young age and we start comparing. You got this special gift. He's placed you in this life 
You, you know, God won't put something somewhere that it doesn't have something to offer. Have you ever noticed that? Everything God put in creation, it was done to offer something to Adam. He said, I've done all this for you. And that's why creation was, was, was built around Adam. Something that had, so everything has something. Adam had something to offer. You have something to offer. You ever feel like you don't have anything to offer? I see some of you on Sunday, you feel that way. I can watch. I can, you know, it's just, it becomes, you know, it's almost like, don't take this wrong. It's almost like a father that watches their children as they're growing. You learn things about people. You learn things about your kid. You see them. You listen to them. You hear, hear certain ways they say. They can say the same thing three times and say it three different ways, and you know they mean three different things. But it's the same words. It's how, the inflection of their voice. There are all kind of things. And so as a pastor, you recognize that too. And there's sometimes uh, some of us come in here and we feel like we don't have anything to offer. We don't have anything to give. That's why we don't sing. That's why we don't worship. That's why we don't stay in tune in the Word. That's why we don't come to the altar. That's why we don't pray is that we really feel like we don't have something to offer. When, in fact, God put you here, and he gave you something to offer to begin with. You have something to offer here. That's why you're in this church, in this local congregation. You have something to offer to this people so that we can reach that people. It's going to take what you have to offer for us to, so, so let me just, for a second, all of us, all of us think about this. Maybe the reason that we haven't really, you know, is because of the timing thing with God. God has timing and everything. And maybe the other thing is maybe we felt like that we didn't have to offer what so-and-so did. They just haven't. You ever met that person that just, they talk to anybody? I'm with, you know, Audrey Megan, she gets so embarrassed. Like, I, I, you know, I like talking to people. We didn't tell I like talking, but I like talking to people and learning about them, learning about their life. And, and so when you look at a person like that and you feel like I'm not like that, you know what you feel like? Well, I don't have that to offer when, in fact, you do. That's why God called us all to preach and teach. We, we have that to offer. Every one of you have that to offer. And so there's something in us that is dissatisfied at time with our lives, isn't there? You ever been dissatisfied with your life? No? Man, can I come live with you? Because, man, there's been times I've just been dissatisfied. I'm not where I thought I ought to be. I didn't, I'm not where I thought I would be. You ever done that one? This is where I thought it would be, and this is where I am. And thank the Lord for it. Thank the Lord for it. That he took me where, from where I thought I ought to have been and put me where I needed to be. Thank the Lord for that because, he, you know, the, the things that could have happened. So there, that, that's what a lot of times causes us to, to reach out and compare. Uh, let's look at verses 17 and 18 here, and, and we'll finish here. Uh, but he that glorifieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not, for not he that commendeth himself is approved. Let's stop for a second. What is a person that commendeth himself all the time doing? Yeah, honking their own horn, bragging on their own selves, patting himself on the back. You ever met that guy that he's, he's always got a, his arm in a sling because he's patted himself so hard he's threw his arm out of joint? Man. Again, the one-uppers do that, pat themselves on the back. You know, Paul said, look, for that, you, know, that, you, don't, you really aren't getting approval. If you have to approve yourself, approval is what? You want someone else to say you did well. But when you're the one that's approving yourself, what have you got here? You're all alone in a boat. The boat has no oars. There's no sail, and you're in the middle of the ocean. You're stuck. 
We all want approval, don't we? It's natural and it's normal. But what Paul said, listen, here, here's the deal. But whom the Lord commendeth, that's, that's what's important. If the Lord approves and commends what you're doing, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what pastor thinks about. If the Lord's approving it, if the Lord says, hey, you're doing what I've called you to do. And understand this, God is never, ever going to judge any of us on what others do or don't do. He's never going to judge you on what others do or don't do, on what others accomplish or fail to do. He's never going to. It's all you. So this is not a battle of you against them. Part of Part of our comparison thing is, man, we get into this battle. Well, you go to BMW, I'm going to get a Maserati. Well, he got that Maserati. I'm going to get two of them. And you get this, you know, back and forth. Uh, that's a huge battle that nobody's going to win. Nobody's going to win it. That's just an example of Jesus. He didn't compare Matthew, the tax collector, to mm-hmm. Simon Peter. And, you know, it, we just have to look at Jesus. He didn't compare. What if Jesus had compared himself to anybody? We would all not be here tonight. All would be hopeless and lost because we're never going to meet that one. We're never going to get there. Till we see him, we're never going to get there. But what he does is he doesn't make the comparison. What he does is says, is follow after my teaching. Be my disciple. There's no comparisons now. You know, a lot of people say that Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so they say, well, if Paul does this, then I do this. That's not what he was teaching. If you look in the context of the Scripture, there were those that were taking the gospel and kind of creating their own little deal. They were kind of making it, you know, they're kind of getting sidetracked and off track. Follow me as I follow Christ. What it means is, as long as I'm in Christ, you follow me, I'm going to teach you what Christ teach me. Don't compare yourself to me. Compare yourself to Jesus. But, but, but a lot of people use that to say, well, if Paul didn't do this, I'm not going to do it. Have you heard that one? I heard a guy once, once time, well, Jesus said this, but Paul said this. Do you know that goes on in church today? This is what God meant to say. You heard that one? Okay. <laughs> the basis of your success is what? God's commendation. Instead of comparing yourself to others, man, this is, can I, the effort that you put into comparison, what if you had put that same effort into improving yourself in God? Man, how, how much further would Pastor Don be had all the effort that I had put into trying comparison? I'm talking about after church, after getting into church 40 years ago. There were that path. I wanted to be like him, and I wanted to preach like him, and I wanted to have his ability and all this stuff. All this, man, how far down the line would I be had I not done that? Had I just went after God? Because then he would have purposed me in the places I needed to be. Just strive to be the best you can be. And uh, God, God has set standards. We, you know, I know standards in the old place that we came from uh, are, are, weren't standards. They were personal idealisms. But God has set standards in His Word. There are standards in God's Word that He wants us to hold to and abide by. And those standards are not rules. What do rules do? Rules compare the situation with the result. That's what a rule does. 
if you do this, this is going to happen to you. That's a comparison. God doesn't set rules. He sets standards. And standards are his word that we can abide by. And when we abide by his words, there, there is no comparison going on here. We don't, all we're trying to do is strive to be like him. He didn't say, now look, keep looking at me, keep looking at me. And when you get to where I'm at, then you'll be saved. When you get to where I'm at, you'll be a good Christian. What, what are y'all, can, y'all looking at me? Well, y'all are tired, aren't you? <laughs> What's a good Christian? What's your idea of a good Christian? Somebody, good Christian. Don't give me the classic, pray always. I don't want to hear that. That's not, that's a good, what's a good Christian? Is it that simple? Is there any comparison here? You knew you fell down, why? Because he set a standard. He didn't set a rule. He set a rule. He said he took care of rules at the cross. That's the purpose of his blood. That doesn't mean we're free to go do what we want. It means we understand the standard is what we reach for, his standard. So what's a good Christian? Bishop, you have, I can tell you you have something. I just say no law is written for the law abiding. Every law written is written for the lawless. <laughs> Think about that a second. Say that again because it's so. I said there's no law ever written for a law-abiding person. The law is written for the lawless. The Bible says that. Yeah. And the law is not what makes a law-abiding citizen a law-abiding citizen. Exactly. That's not what makes him a law-abiding citizen. It's much deeper than that. I've often said a cop could carry a bazooka. I don't care. I'm not going to get that far out of line that he needs it. Yeah. Jesus taught his disciples to be respectful. He taught them to be respectful. And something I learned as a young kid that's when I was disrespectful, it was costly. And so, you know, were there times when a person was disrespectful to me that I had the right to be disrespectful back? There's no right there. There's no right there. See, we get into this, that comparison stuff. No matter how disrespectful a person is to you, you don't have the right to be disrespectful. What you have the right to do is be respectful. That's what Jesus did. And Jesus said some really really stern things very respectfully. Yeah, you guys are snakes, you're serpents, but he was respectful the whole time he was saying it. I mean, there... When you get on the other side of that is when you get into this comparison of me over you or you over me. So, believe it or not, y'all, I'm, I'm almost finished here. I got one little point here. If you follow the standard of Jesus Christ and, and not follow after comparisons, you will be the happiest Christian that walks this earth. You'll be the happiest Christian that walks this earth because you have none to look to but who? I don't have to look to anybody. Do it. Every now and then I look at someone and say, I wish I was like that. Yeah. And then I just need to remind myself, listen, they have their issues like I do. They have their goods like I do. They have their downs like I do. So I need to look at mine. God, what's mine? Comparisons. The essence of Christianity is found in Philippians 4. Paul wrote this from Mamertine Prison. 
He said, not that I speak in respect of want. He said, I'm not writing this because of where I am and what I'm going through. For I have learned in whatever state I am in therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. And in everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. In my ministry, I have had abounding times. I have had abasing times. There's been times I've had plenty. There's been times I had one. All of us are at a different stage in life. Whatever you're going through, you're going through it for a purpose because God wants you to learn something and for you to triumph in the situation and circumstance that you're going through. He never sends you into a problem or disadvantages your life simply out of punishment. Yeah. He causes us always to triumph, but he measures our adversities based on our depth and our progress and our walk with him. Wherever you are in God, whatever you are going through today, you're there by God's design, mm -hmm. and, and if you can learn how to both abound and base, sometimes you're going to abound while I'm abased. Sometimes I'm going to abound while you're abased. But if we look to him for the strength of understanding why I am where I am, why am I going through this, and at the end of it is always for some growth, progress, mastery, poise, mm -hmm. spiritual development in my life. I, I, you know, I've noticed that, that my, my adversities never, ever exceed my capability. No. I just have to understand that God has already presented to me the capability and in that, I can go through my adversity. I used to read that scripture in Philippians and think Paul was aloof yeah. when, I, when I was in the other group. Yeah. Like, this, this makes no sense. And how could you possibly say in prison, hey, it's cool. How could you possibly? Yeah, man, I could understand you out there preaching and people are getting the Holy Ghost and people are getting baptized and people's lives are being changed. Yeah, that's great. But to say, you know what, I'm here in prison, he didn't compare those two because they were two different adversities. And yes, when you're praying people through in the through the Holy Ghost, as we call it, and when you're back, there's adversity in that as much as there is adversity when you're in prison. You have to recognize where God's taking you in it. The first lesson I ever taught in Atlanta was on the love chapter. And I had a guy stand up and say, that's impossible. Nobody, nobody can live that. And I said, so you're calling Paul and the Holy Ghost a liar? It wouldn't be there if it was impossible. Exactly. Exactly. You know, one, one, the bar always has to be raised in your life. Right. You know, the greatest adversities that Abraham ever suffered was toward the end of his life. The greatest adversities that Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah were at the end of their life. Mm -hmm. So what you have to look forward to as a child of God <laughs> and as you grow it. older in God that your challenges are going to be mm -hmm. measured to where 
God yeah. sees your growth as. I firmly believe your adversities are what finishes your purpose. God purposes every one of us in life. They, our life is a, not a time thing. It's a purpose thing. And our adversities pull us up that ladder to the purpose, to finalize the purpose. It's, it's you know, we, we want it to be the good times. It's what we want. But it's the adversities that where, we, where we climb. It's those places. And what God expects me to do is if I, I'm sorry, <laughs> if, if I'm going through something and I overcome it, then I need to be observant of somebody else in my circle that's going through that so that they can benefit from what I've learned from it. Because aren't most of our lessons that we learn for someone else anyway? Absolutely. We're supposed to be the teacher of that. We're supposed to be the presenter of that. That's what a Christian does. I just want to add um, just being thankful, thankfulness. It says in all circumstances to be thankful. Mm -hmm. When we're unthankful, that's when we start looking at everything else. Mm -hmm. And we're uncontent, you know, and we lose thankfulness. And I think thankfulness will help us. Yeah, I don't have that, but Lord, I thank you for what I do have mm -hmm. and what you do, what you're going to bring, you know, and then also you will never leave me nor forsake me if we find rest in that, whether I'm abased or if I abound, mm -hmm. it's because of God, because he's with me, yeah. not because of anything else. If we're smart, we won't even compare our abased and abound. If we, if we grow in wisdom, we don't even compare those two in our own life because we understand they're both purposed by God. Do you think Joseph was really <laughs> gratified and grateful for when his brothers hated him or he was strapped to that camel or that he was a servant in Potiphar's house or he was in prison all those years? All right. But he, he endured, and out of that came the gratefulness. Mm -hmm. and, and every challenge God brought him through was to elevate him and position him to where God's purposes were. And when we understand the adversities we go through are God preparing us for the promotion that he has for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is not, you know, and that's a funny thing because what you're saying is so true. We look at adversity as demotion. I did something wrong or God's mad at me or whatever, and we look at it as a demotion when, in fact, it's, God's getting ready to promote you. Good point. I just wanted to share that. Um, now, I appreciate it tonight. You know, um, growing up, um, I didn't really have a lot of comparisons, but um, I was, you know, you always get that one, if you're the standout, that you, other people compare you to things. And I know for a while, that was, that was my biggest thing. You know, if something wasn't happening or I thought that I did something and it didn't happen, you know, comparing to other situations. But, you know, when I started understanding scripture, like, you know, I knew when to be content, um, especially at some of the lowest times. It really helped. But then also, uh, you know, when we compare, you know, we miss out on what God has is given us. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of I remember there were times even as a young kid that everybody else was doing, you know, ABC. But I felt God was tugging at, at my heart to move to the altar or something like that. And I, I really remember at, at a camp where. It took everything I had to run to the altar because I, I was comparing myself to what everybody wasn't doing. Right. But when we move with God and when we actually take that comparison out and just be obedient and keep our eyes on them, 
man, we see the blessings that come come from that. And, you know, speaking for me and my wife, you know, we've gotten past the comparison stage. And there are times, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's other here, where you feel like, you know what, God, I've been doing this and I've been following your word. I want to be here because I know that's what your word says. And then, you know, we got, got a word, you know, a couple weeks ago that it's about timing. And that's why it's so important to take that comparison out. When we just focus on Jesus and just look, try to look like him in everything that we do, you know, he's so engulfing. God is so much can take that room and that space to where by the time you look up, I had this time for you. There was a time and a place. I had this for you. Now was the time. Now was the place. And we forget about that comparison. So I really appreciate it, man, because that was, that was good stuff. Comparisons cause you to do your thing rather yeah. than let God do his thing. Exactly. That's Everything in creation is here to express God's glory. Mm-hmm. Every individual has the capacity to express some aspect of God's glory that eludes me. That's why they're here. Now, they are, many people abuse it because they don't live up to the image of God. But that's, that's, you know, that's why you know, every human ought to appreciate any other human because they express an aspect of God's glory that no one else has the capacity to express. What if we were to walk around and every person we looked at, we said, now there's something about God. There's something about God. Would that make us, would we be different? Probably. Probably. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you for coming. We'll see you Sunday. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.